So I have some of my favorite words of wisdom to share with you. I did this last week when we started this series, and, and I wanted to continue this, just sharing with you some of my favorite words of wisdom, some of them straight from the scriptures, some of them just good old common sense, all of them worth exactly what you paid for them this morning. <laughs> so here we go, some of my favorite words of wisdom. Some of these might be familiar to you, some of them might be new to you. Now, the first one is pretty deep. It goes like this, love is tough, but hatred is too great a burden. It is difficult to love people well, but the opposite will crush you. Second word of wisdom. This is something I try to help my teenage daughter understand about the world we live in. It goes like this. The crowd or the culture will call you to the edge and then condemn you when you jump. We live in a world that invites your own self-destruction. And then when you finally do something to harm yourself, they are quick to wag their finger in your face. Another one. The quickest way to be right is to admit when you're wrong. That has served me well in my marriage. <laughs> this one comes straight from scriptures, the book of Proverbs. A companion of fools suffers harm. Or you could say, bad company corrupts good character, right? And then this, this is some of the wisest words that have ever been shared with me, and I share them with you. Most problems are solved by a nap and a snack. Isn't that true? The world seems to be coming to an end, and it's like, here, have a Snickers and lay down. And suddenly, your problems go away. Well, today we're continuing a series called Tried and True, where we're looking at some of the, the ancient wisdom of the Bible and trying to apply it to our particularly irrational times. And today, the word of wisdom that we're looking at is this. We're responding to all, we're talking about how we respond to all the ways in which people um, interact with us in our lives. And the word of wisdom is this. It is, in fact, better to respond than to react. That's our word of wisdom. It's better to respond than to react. And you know the difference, don't you? Uh, to respond is thoughtful. To react is instinctual. To respond implies that you are actually taking into consideration what the other person is thinking and feeling. To react is just to spew what you are thinking and feeling onto another person. So the word of wisdom today is this. It is better to respond than to react. Now, why is this pertinent for our particular moment in time? It's pertinent because you and I live in a moment. We live in a world that celebrates amplifies, incentivizes the angry reaction. It's been said that we live in a moment where people are addicted to rage. Some have said it's a grievance culture where if you have something negative to say, a complaint to put forth, you are given a platform, you are encouraged to do it, and we celebrate it. We live in a moment that encourages platforms and celebrates the negative instinctual reaction to the world around you as it unfolds, which is why many of us feel no guilt about going all caps in the comments section on some article about some politician that we don't like. It's why we feel completely justified to post a reaction video on TikTok to some unfortunate word that a celebrity said. It's why we feel like it's okay to take video of some Karen in our neighborhood and then send it to all of our friends and ridicule her on a text thread because she dare have an opinion about how we walk our dog. This is the world that we live in. It celebrates the angry reaction. All of this in spite of so much biblical wisdom pulling us, calling us away from this. 
Let me just run through some of the scriptures that tell us to avoid, reject the angry reaction. Listen to this. Starting in Proverbs chapter 14. If you stay calm, you are wise. But if you have a hot temper, you only show how stupid you are. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Proverbs 29. An angry man or woman stirs up strife, and a furious man or woman abounds in transgression. Translation, you're only making it worse. Proverbs 18, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I wish I could have that like on a business card and just when somebody's going off at me about something, I could just hand it to them and be like, have a nice day. Proverbs chapter 11, this might be the best one. Those who have no sense deride their neighbors, but those who have understanding hold their tongue. Or how about this from James, the brother of Jesus? He says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Do you know why we love the angry reaction? We love the angry, self-justified reaction, yes, because of sin. But you want to know the biggest reason why? Because it feels amazing. Admit it. When you're going off and you feel like you not only have the right to go off, but people are kind of nodding their head in agreement, it feels absolutely intoxicating. In fact, there's science that says it does just that. Dr. Gene Kim works for the uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And Dr. Kim released an article a handful of months ago that said self-righteous anger releases a massive hit of dopamine. That's the chemicals in your brain that make you feel really good to the level at which it's almost intoxicating as it's happening and can actually become addicting. You can become addicted to being self-righteously angry. Don't point at anybody in the room. We do this, yes, because the world is broken, yes, because of sin, but we do it also because it feels so good to just get mad and go off and to angrily react to the world around us. It feels so good. But here's something that you also need to know. It feels amazing, but it really just makes things worse. Listen to James one more time. James, after he says everyone should be slow to speak, slow to anger, he says this, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Uh, This is one of those verses that that really only applies to followers of Jesus because we're the ones who are supposed to be concerned with producing, living out the good things of God and giving them as a gift to the world. You know, we're actually called to make this world a better place, not an angrier place. And we're called to give the good things of God to the world around us. And James is saying, look, when you just give in to self-righteous, reactionary anger, you are doing nothing that is good. You are doing nothing that is of God. Reacting in anger, even though you feel justified, even though the world celebrates it, even though they invite it, despite the fact that it feels amazing, is still wrong. It's still wrong. Which is why those who are wise, who are seeking to walk in the ways of God, they aim to reject self-righteous, reactionary anger, and instead they, they, they aim to be a person who thoughtfully responds to the world around them. Well, what does it mean to respond? I think you could put it like this. To respond is to listen, 
and to absorb and to adjust. It's to actually take in information from the people around you, in particular those who bother you or annoy you, and then absorb or metabolize the information that's given to you and then be open to actually adjusting what you say or do in response to what they've communicated to you. And that's what it means to respond rather than react. You listen and you absorb and then you adjust. But simply put, what we're talking about when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to listen to absorb and adjust, what we're talking about is love. What we're talking about is a practical way in which you show love for your neighbor, but also a practical way in which followers of Jesus show love and respect to their God, because we're actually called to do the same to him. Just think about this. When, when you're excited or angry or anxious, and, and you're going off, and somebody Somebody who knows you, somebody hears this, this is happening. They see that it's going on in you, and they, they come close to you, and they square up to you, and, and their, their body language reacts, and they're, they're relaxed, and they lean in, and their eyes are wide, and it's clear that they're listening. But not only are they listening, but they're processing what you say in a way that they're able to repeat it back to you in a way that you agree with. But not only that, it's clear that after they're done listening to you and your excitement or your anxiety, whatever it is, that they then take all of that into account and they adjust the life that they're going to live in response to all that you shared with them. When that happens, when someone opens up to you, leans into you, hears you, understands you, and then, and then responds accordingly to you, what you say is not only... I feel heard, what you say is, I feel loved. To love is to listen, and to love is to absorb, and to love is to adjust. That's love for your neighbor. That's not a reaction. That's a purposeful response. But it's also part of what it means to follow Jesus. You could say that this is really kind of the pattern of discipleship. It's what we're called to offer an angry world, but it's also how we follow Jesus. If you're here as a baptized, forgiven follower of Jesus, you love him, right? Of course you do. You love him. Well, what, well, what do those who are loved by Jesus and who express a love for Jesus, what do we do? Well, we listen to him. We, we keep our, our ears and our hearts and our minds open to him, and we seek each and every day to absorb the truth deep inside of us of who he is and, and what he's done and what all of his promises mean. And then not only do we seek to absorb that and metabolize that, but we seek to then adjust the life we would otherwise live in light of that. This is what it means to follow Jesus, to listen and absorb and adjust. This is love for him. But it's also love for your neighbor. We don't angrily react, no matter how justified you feel. We seek by the power of the Spirit, because it's hard to do, to respond. Now, I mentioned it's hard to do, and that might be an understatement. To, to try and be wise in this way, to say, I'm going to reject self-righteous, reactionary anger, and instead try to thoughtfully respond to the world around me and the God above me, is a hard and a humbling task. It will require you to prioritize other people over your own urges and impulses. 
It will require you to actually make time to listen to them and then be open to throwing away all of your plans and adjusting it in response to whatever this person has now shared with you. It will require you to admit that the million of ways in which you express self-righteous anger are not only unholy, but also just practically unhelpful and unloving. It will require you, despite the world saying, oh, go ahead, let it out, make a video, share it with thousands, despite the world encouraging you to let the rage roll, it will require you to sacrifice that cultural right and instead choose love. That is humbling and hard. I would love to go off. I feel like I could. They're telling me I can. I feel like a lot of people would applaud me if I just shouted down this terrible person online or in person or even in my own head. I feel like it's okay, but I can and I won't, and I'm not going to. It's hard, so hard. But it's important. Again, look at James and how he, how he illustrates what this battle is actually like. Look at the words that James uses. He says this, starting at verse 20. He says, the anger of mankind does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away, listen to how he characterizes it, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, I'm gonna come back to that, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I love that phrase, receive with meekness the implanted word. What do you think he means by that? Oh, I will tell you. What he means is this. What he means is when you recognize and you realize that you are stepping into self-righteous anger, what you need is to step back from that and remember the gospel, the word that God has planted in your heart like a seed, the truth that you you are a sinner. And I know we don't like to talk about that in today's day and age. You are a horrible, broken, messed up sinner. Yet you are saved by grace. Receive with meekness, humility, that implanted word that I am a sinner there, but for the grace of God, go I. Receive with meekness the implanted word. Uh, there's there's a, a, an ancient thinker in the church uh, we call him Gregory the Great, which I just think is an awesome name. The Great Greg. He lived a long, long time ago, and he had a lot to say about this. And, and one of the, the, the best quotes from Gregory the Great is this. It's really interesting. It's, it's kind of fascinating if you think about it. Listen to this. He says, when we see anyone's sin, and what you're seeing likely when you see someone who's doing something that you want to rage react to, you're probably seeing them sin, no doubt about it. When we see anyone's sin, we should first weep over ourselves in their calamity. Listen, because we have either fallen like them or we can fall like them. Can I tell you something that you don't want to hear but you kind of need to? Okay, good, thank you. It's medicine time, all right? You, at times, are the Karen that people want to shout down. You have the capacity to be the close-minded, bigoted uncle that people want to punch in the face. 
You have within you the ability to be the endlessly needy coworker that everybody rolls their eyes at and feels justified complaining about behind your back. You are hard to love. And yet, God has sent his son into this world. You could say that, that he's approached you. He's come into this world and he's taken on our flesh and he's lived our life. He has, he has squared up with us, opened himself up to, our, to us, lived our very life. He's come that close and he's leaned in and he's absorbed all of our troubles to the point that it drove him to a cross where he died to earn our forgiveness and into a tomb out of which he rose to show his power. He came close and he leaned in and he absorbed and he allowed himself to be killed and crucified and then resurrected on the third day. And in that defeat on the cross and in that victory on the tomb, he has won a battle and given the gift to you. Oh, how, how he loves you who are so unlovable. And not only now, not only does he love you, he likes you. Yes, you, even on your worst of days, you are so loved. Isn't that incredible? Now let that sink in and tell me, tell me that you still feel justified to, to close your ears and, and, and cover your eyes and shout down someone who annoys you or bothers you. You can't think of what God in Christ has done for you. Receive with meekness the implanted word. God did not react to you in righteous anger, though he would be right to do so. He has responded to you with love. Uh, James was, I think, the mean brother of Jesus. At least, at least he could be really, like, really straightforward. If you continue on in, in James's book, James has some really strong words, very strong words to say to those who refuse to embrace a life of responding rather than angrily reacting to the world around you. I'll let him tell you. This is what he says. He says, if anyone thinks he or she is religious and does not bridle his or her tongue, but deceives their heart, this person's religion is worthless. Your religion is worthless if you refuse to respond rather than react. Now, there's two ways to interpret his words. The, the harshest interpretation is this. James is saying, look, if you refuse to understand that you're a sinner saved by grace and then respond accordingly to the world around you, we might as well question your salvation because your religion is worthless. Ooh, oh, what? Lutheran pastor, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. We don't like the connection between our works and our salvation at all. So the, the translation that I'm most comfortable with, the understanding rather, that I'm most comfortable with is this. What James is saying is, look, when you who have received this loving response from God refuse to offer it to others, you are proclaiming to the world that your religion is worthless because it results in people who are just as much jerks as everybody else. What difference does it make? 
That's the message you're sending. Either way, it's a word that we need to heed. And some of us in this room who feel completely justified with family, with friends, with coworkers, or with people they don't like online or on television, just going off, going crazy because they feel like they're right. You feel like your opinion is correct. You feel like you have all the permission in the world to do it. You need to heed this word. How can you say, I love you, Lord, and then in the next breath, after you get off the phone with your mother, enter into a text thread with all your siblings just deriding her? Who do you think you are? How can you say, lead me, Lord Jesus, and then when an article gets posted on cron.com, you jump into the comments section with your name there for all to see, and you just blast away at all this terrible stuff? Or how can you sing, how great thou art, and yet, when there are needy or annoying people around you, what you do is you, you cover your ears and you cover your eyes and you say, I don't have to deal with that at all. They're in their situation because they made poor choices, and that's not my problem. And I, I as a pastor, am really tired, and I'm guilty of this too at times, but, I, but I'm very tired in myself and others of people saying, look, well... I'm just a passionate person, and people know that. Or I'm just opinionated, and my opinion happens to be right. Or, look, I'm angry, but I'm angry for the right reasons. Or I've been through some stuff. I have trauma in my past, which explains away why I get to respond like this. No, I know who you are when you're acting like this, and the Bible does too. they got a word for it. You are a fool. And your actions do not produce the righteousness of God. So return with meekness to the word that has been implanted in you. And remember who you are. And absorb it and metabolize it. And stop it. <laughs> I've got a challenge for you this week. Uh, my challenge is this. Think right now of the most difficult person that you're going to encounter later this week. You got a name? You got a face? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Think right now of the most difficult person that you're going to encounter. The person that you're going to feel, feel very justified in just reacting to. Self-justified. Oh, here comes Sally. Oh, the, whatever. Think about who that person is now. And make a plan now rather than react to them in whatever anger or frustration or annoyance you feel. And choose instead to respond. And, and here's, here's the roadmap I'd like you to follow, and, and I ask for your forgiveness that it's a bit crass, but I wanted you to be able to remember it, okay? It, it uses a phrase that we're not allowed to say in my house, at least if you're like, you know, 10 or below. <laughs> what I want you to remember is this. I want you to square up. I want you to shut up. And then I want you to give up. Square up means when you see this person, you, rather than turn away, you face them and you open up to them. This is like a body language thing. Like you open up to them and you, you invite them in. And you lean into them. You address them. You engage them. You, you respect them enough to recognize them. And then, and, then, and then you shut up. What that means is you should ask more questions than make statements. If you say anything at all as this person is coming at you or approaching you, ask questions for clarity. And if they say to you, wow, you're kind of quiet today. Say, my pastor told me to shut my mouth. 
I'd be like, where do you go to church? Like, Second Baptist. It's crazy. (laughs) And then you give up. This is the real sacrificial part. You you give up what what your expectations are, what you're going to do in response to what they say. You give that up, and you allow yourself, if necessary, to be adjusted. You know, they shared with me that they're really in pain today. And you ask yourself this question. What can I do in response to what they just shared? It may be nothing, but it might be something. And my friends, I'll tell you, in a world filled with angry reactions, if you are willing to like square up, shut up, and give up your own plans for the sake of somebody else and lovingly respond to them, that will stand out. Not just because it's a cultural outlier, it will stand out because it is love. It is love. It is love. And the moment in which you most don't want to do it is the moment you must. You must. You know, it used to be said that um, it takes courage to stand up and speak. And I'm sure in many situations that's still true. But I think in today's day and age when we are encouraged and incentivized to stand up and rage, it takes more courage to sit down and listen. Do you agree with that? It takes more courage to sit down and listen. May our life reflect our faith. In our faith, we aim to listen and absorb and adjust. And may we do the same with those around us, especially those who bother us. May we be brave enough to respond, bold enough to listen, Christ-like enough to love. Amen.